You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Awesome. Well, I'm going to carry on this morning with uh, our topic, and I'm actually going to finish up with our top topic, Storms and Battles, this morning. And uh, if you have missed some of the sessions, you can go and you can download them at newseasonchurch.co.za for free. Um, all the sessions are on there, so if you uh, have missed anything or you want to just recap on some stuff, because a lot of the times I've found that even with myself, if I sit uh, in a service or a message, I'll catch a couple of points but I won't catch the fullness of what, what was trying to be conveyed at that, uh, that time. Um, so when I go and I listen to the message again, I start to find things that I missed. Uh, and God continues to speak to us and God continues to uh, reveal more things to us. The more attention we put on, on God's word. So I encourage you to go and, and download it and uh, keep listening uh, to it. Because the word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to constantly hear what God is saying to us in the Word of God. Why? Because it feeds our spirit. We don't live by natural bread alone, but by, we live by every word that proceeds out of the, word, out of the mouth of God. So we can't uh, be, uh, be limited um, to once a week for 45 minutes where you come around and you listen to me speak about God and you listen to about what God said to me. Huh? You've, got to, you've got to come to God. You've got to uh, in, engage with God in your own time because God wants to speak to you personally, right? Because God wants to speak specific things to you and you want to have a relationship with Him. It's like, it's like if you are married, if you're married and you don't see your spouse the whole week and then you go to a bride and you have somebody else talk to you about your spouse and how excited and how great your spouse is. It's the same thing. Right? God calls us uh, His bride, so He wants to re- engage with us. You know, so don't, don't limit your interaction with God and your engagement with God to once a week. You need to come because you need to be instructed, but God wants to speak to you in your own time as well. So um, as I've been talking about storms and battles, I'm going to quickly recap and, uh, and I'm going to finish up what we've been talking about. And we said, remember I started talking to you about storms and seasons? And storms are a sign of a season that you're in. In the natural, we are, we're coming into a stormy season. In here, up in, in, in Pretoria, it's December, November, December, January. You've got a stormy season. And storms, if you find yourself, if you think you're in a storm or in battle, uh, you need to discern properly what you're in because they're not the same thing. A storm and a battle is different, but oftentimes we use it interchangeably. We say, oh, I'm in a storm because it's, it's, it's rough right now. Or I'm in a battle and it's rough right now. Right, uh, uh, rough right now but it might not be the same thing storms are governed by seasons and just like in the natural you have different seasons you have summer winter autumn spring you have seasons in your life and seasons are not a bad thing even though you might be experiencing difficulty in a season a season is not a bad thing because seasons are God ordained if you look in the scripture every single time that we see anybody in scripture go into a season like a wilderness season or a storm, it's always led there by God, right? Israel walks out of Egypt, out of captivity, into a dry season, into wilderness season, led there by God. The, the disciples, Jesus said to them, come, let's get in the boat and go across the, across the lake. They go straight into a storm. So your seasons are governed by, in essence, by God. Now, not every, not every bad thing that you go through is a season. Because sometimes... We think that we're going through seasons or we think that the devil is against us. Meanwhile, we just made a bad decision. 
Are you with me this morning? Not everything is the devil's fault. Please stop blaming every bad thing on the devil. I think we give him a bit too much credit. The devil is here and the devil is there and the devil is against me. And oh, the devil, the devil. The, most of the time, let me tell you what, what happened. We made a bad decision. We didn't discern correctly. We had no wisdom. We didn't ask. Or we didn't listen when somebody said to us, I don't think it's a, bad, it's a good idea. We went ahead with it. Got the circumstance, the consequences of bad decision. Now we want to blame it on the devil. Years ago, there was Hansi Kronier and he said, the devil made me do it. No, it was just a really bad decision what you did. And now you're suffering the consequences of it. Is the devil there? Yes, he is. Does he have a certain uh, uh, control, power? Yes, he does. But he is, he is, the Bible says that he is under our feet. He's a defeated foe. And you must be careful to view, you have this mindset that it's a small God and a big devil. It's completely opposite. It's a very big God and a very small devil. Okay? The only power that, you see, the spiritual works like this. You only get the result of the power of the thing of how much attention you put on it. So the promises of God are not automatic. You only get the effect of the promises of God, the word of God, as much as you put your attention to it. And the devil only has enough power over your life as much as you put your attention on him. And stick around until the end of the service because I'll tell you exactly. I'll give you one line. One line that will de defeat the devil every single time. One line. So pay attention. Right? And keep you right until the end. So uh, seasons are, are, are governed by, by revelation. Seasons are not governed by anything else. They're governed by revelation because a season is about God speaking to you a specific thing. Israel goes into the wilderness and God takes them out of Egypt, but he needs to get Egypt out of them. Okay, you don't know what I'm saying? Go listen to my, my first message. Um, the main thing uh, in a season is that it prepares us for battle. It prepares us for battle. It prepares us for the next thing. Israel goes through a season of wilderness to prepare them for the promised land of which they're going to have to drive out some of the inhabitants. Your promised land, whatever that is, whatever God has promised you, whatever you feel that your destiny, your purpose is, whatever you feel that God has, uh, uh, we say, ordained for you, put on you, your promised land, the dream that God has placed inside of your heart, that is your promised land. But here's the thing, you don't just walk into it, right? You don't walk into it. The, the, the promised land is, is a territory that God says that you are to attain and to drive out the inhabitants that you are to possess. You're to possess the promised land. You're, you're to pos uh, possess the promise, whatever that promise is. So you look in the Word and God says, uh, Maybe you're single and you want to be married. God says there's a promise in that. That is a territory. And there's a certain way to govern that territory. Maybe provision. Maybe financial provision. There's, a, there's promises in the Word of God for that. God's called you to be blessed. Yes. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Yes. There's nothing wrong with being financially prosperous. There's nothing wrong with it. But here's the thing. We think that we can read a scripture, name it, frame it, and claim it. And I'm going to walk in prosperity like those uh, uh, things on Facebook or WhatsApp. You know, you get a message, send this to 10 people and then tomorrow, tomorrow you will be, uh, you will be prosperous. Amen. And don't act like you haven't sent that message through to at least five people. And then you couldn't find the 10th one and you only sent it to nine. 
And then you're like, ah, there you go. I didn't send it to 10. They've, come on. The problem, God, God is not, it's not a, uh, it's not superstition. It's faith, right? So sending your WhatsApp message or uh, type amen on this graphic. And tomorrow, I prophesy. That's what, I mean, come on, guys. And we think tomorrow I'm going to walk in. I'm going to play the lotto. Yes, because some guy or some lady on Facebook said if you type amen. The promises of God don't work like that. You have to put some attention on the promises of God. You've got to put some effort in and some work. Now, it's not by works that God blesses you. That's a different thing. But you do have to put in an effort. You must go and put, you know, roll up your sleeves and do something. You must put your faith there. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. So if you believe in God for a promise, God, God says, here's how your faith is demonstrated. By you actually doing something. I'm trusting God for, for a job, but I'm sitting at home and not sending out a CV. Because God is going to bless you, right? Come now. Can He do it? Of course He can. But this is what I've seen. Most of the time, God responds to our faith in what we do and not just us just sitting around and saying, well, one day, one day I'm going to walk in that promised land. One day I'm going to go to university. One day I'm going to get my matric. One day. No. God says, okay, yeah, you, those are promises. I want you to walk in those things. Now, what do you want to study? No, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Well, how much is the course? I have no idea, but God's going to pro prosper me to go study. I'm going to start a business one day. Okay, well, what, what's, what do you need? I don't know. But God's going to give me an idea for business. It doesn't work like that. We must see those are seasons that God leads us into. That God says, okay, now I want you to go through a certain season because what way you need to go. And here's the part of a season. This is the, the whole thing about going through a wilderness season, a stormy season. This is what it's about. Is that you cannot take the same mentality from where you were into where you're going. Israel comes out of Egypt and God's like, listen, for you to take the promised land, I need you to understand that you cannot still think like a slave. Because they were slaves for 400 years. We read it in the scripture like this. And then they left Egypt. And then they went into the promised land. And we think it's just like this. But God needs to, a lot of the time when God wants you to do something new, something greater, the promised land, some, uh, a new... Uh, we call it, you know, a promotion or a level up or whatever it is. A new, new thing. Whenever God wants to do a new thing in your life, He's going to lead you into a certain season that feels a little bit rough. It feels a little bit stormy. It might feel a little bit dry. Why? Because He needs you to change your mentality of where you were to where you need to go. Because where you were, the mentality of a slave will not function in the mentality of the promised land. It will not. Because a slave is told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and is, and is either rewarded or punished based on their performance. Now watch, they go from Egypt, from, from being slaves into the promised land. Promised land, there's no, one, there's no one beating them. There's no one telling them to do one, two, three, four. There's, no, there's freedom. But because of their freedom, they don't understand it. They don't understand what it means not to have somebody to tell you, what to do, what, what not to do, when to do it. So God needs to lead the, the mentality of Egypt 
so that they can possess the promised land. Your season, your wilderness, the in-between place is for you to be prepared to go into what God has called you to do. Okay? The next thing. And every single one of us has a next thing here. Every single one of you has a next thing. The next thing. The new season, by the way. The new season, church. You're in a new season. So God's going to lead you into a new thing. And seasons can be great. And you have great seasons. Joseph had, Joseph, part of, part of the reason why I was given authority over the whole of Egypt was because he could discern the seasons. Go read it. I think it's in week two that I spoke about it. He discerned there's going to be a season, a period, a, seven years of good, prosperity, and discerned that, hey, hold on, after the seven years, this, there's going to be another season of lack. And I need to discern that in the seven years of prosperity, I need to be prepared for the next thing. He goes through a season of being a prisoner to prepare him for the next thing, to be a ruler. Right? So it's always for the next thing. So your seasons are there for battles to take up territory. Now, uh, battles are governed by territory. Nobody goes in the natural, goes and starts a war for, for a territory just because. They, every single war that's ever been done, ever been uh, uh, waged, is based on the fact that the territory that they're waging the war against has resources that are valuable. Valuable. So the war is waged to get control over the territory. So that's why we have a thing called the kingdom of God. Jesus never spoke about religion. He spoke about the kingdom of God. And he never spoke about taking you to heaven. If you're born again, you will go to heaven. But here's the thing. Your purpose is not to go to heaven. Your purpose is to bring the kingdom of God into your life. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Good stuff. So the good things, right? Prosperity, healing, joy, all of those nice things. Where are those things found in heaven? So God says, here's earth. I give earth to man. You have the, uh, the authority, dominion, domain. This is your responsibility. I want you to extend heaven to earth. That's what prayer is, by the way. Prayer is not twisting God's arm. Prayer is not begging God. Please, God, please, 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 God, please, please. If you have please in your prayers, I, I want to challenge you. It's an incorrect. It's inaccurate. What are you begging God for? Because if God says, here's the thing, what you loose in heaven will be loosed in earth, and what you bind in heaven will be bound in, in earth. What is prayer? Prayer is loosing whatever heaven has, the promises of God, into your territory, into, you, into your house, into your body, into your finances. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a, giving God access, giving the, allowing Him to invade, to have authority in whichever area of your life is. Okay? If prayer is allowing God access into territory, we have a kingdom of God and we have a kingdom of darkness. The word the kingdom of darkness is not spookiness. The word darkness means ignorance. It means that you do not have the ability to understand and discern what is happening. God says, my people are destroyed. My people. Okay, so if God talks about my people, those are the people that, people that are born again, people that are close to him. My people. 
are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What you don't know is killing you. It's destroying you. So what the enemy, now we come to the devil, what he wants to do is not to uh, come and scare you. He doesn't want to come and, you know, be, he's not a boogie, the boogeyman. He's not the monster under the bed. He's not the shadows, you know, in the evening. What he wants to do is convince you that the word of God is no effect. To do what? To bring you into darkness, which is ignorance. The word brings light. That's the whole point of God. God, the word brings light into a situation, brings truth. And what the enemy wants to do is take you out of the light and bring you into darkness. Ignorance. So let me show you how this works. So you, you hear a word, um, I don't know. Let's talk about finance. This is always a good topic, right? God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be blessed. God, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. And you're like, yes, awesome. And He says, well, here's how you do it. There's a, there's a principle and a pattern of how you, how you function, how you do your finances according to the Word of God so that you can walk in the fruit of blessing. You're like, awesome. Then you walk away and the enemy says, oh, man, do you, do you really think that's true? Man, I don't know. How, how can you believe this thing? Now they're telling you you must give to the church. But isn't the pastor going to buy you something, a new car with that money? Oh, no, I don't know, hey. And you start going through. What do you think that is? that is? It is the attempt of the enemy to do what? To bring you out of, out of the promises of God into darkness and remove you from the territory. So you are, where is the first territory God gives you? It's yourself. Bible says that the kingdom of God is within you. It's not out there. The kingdom of God is within you. So where is the first territory that God gives you? Yourself. And he says you have the ability, you have the authority. I've given you the capacity to manage yourself well and to produce fruit. What's fruit? Good stuff. You and I, the Bible says, go therefore, uh, bear fruit, multiply, bear fruit, produce good stuff. You and I are not just, maybe, we are supposed to be producing goodness in our lives. The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Does that sound like bad things to you? It sounds like, like great stuff. The awesome, everything that I ever wanted is found in where? The kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So your first territory is yourself. So where does, the, where does the attack actually come against? The attack comes against you, but not against something very specific. Please stop saying, there's an attack against my finances. No, the attack is against the authority that you have to allow God, either God to come into your finances or for the enemy to take you out of the territory. Right? You're with me. I, I know I'm going through things very quickly here. How do you know you, you, you're, in a, you, you're in a season? There are two types that I've seen. You have uh, storms, shaking, confusion, tumbling. If you're in a boat and you come into a storm, it's very confusing. You don't know where, where, where north, south, east, west, don't know where to go. So what do you do in a storm? You find where Jesus is because Jesus is in with, with you in the storm. He's down in, in the boat and he's sleeping. 
The fact that he's quiet doesn't mean he's absent. The fact that God is quiet does not mean he's absent. It just means that he doesn't need to tell you anything new. He told you to get in the boat. Remember, he says to the disciples, come, let's go. And they get in. And then he goes and sleeps. See, when, we, when God doesn't say anything, we think he's not there. No, it just means he doesn't have another instruction for you. If he wanted them to turn the boat around, he would have gotten, gotten up and said, Hey, where did you go? Why are we in the storm? Turn it around. He's sleeping. So if you find yourself in a storm, just calm down. Go to Jesus. This is how you, you weather a storm. You sit it out. You wait. Please don't go try fight the storm. You're going to lose every single time. Find where the wind is blowing. Go to Jesus and say, hey, you and me, we're in this together. If you're here, I'm good. I might get a little bit scary. You might hear the thunder. You might hear the wind. You might hear the rain. But guess what? You're in, you are covered. Don't go try to do something funny. Find where the wind is blowing and set your sails and go that way. Dry periods, wilderness. It's dry. You're tired. You're weary. Looks like nothing's happening. Keep walking. Because the point of a wilderness period is to draw yourself. You, in a wilderness, in a dry period, what are you, you're hungry and you're thirsty. You need to make sure that your hunger and your thirst is quenched by the presence of God and not something else. Because the very thing that you're looking for is what God wants to show you. Don't scratch a spiritual itch in the natural. Okay. Maybe in the, in the spiritual you want uh, some acceptance. You want some encouragement. Maybe that is your, your need right now. Maybe it's an emotional need. That's a spiritual need. It's, it's, it's a need that only God can give you. Your acceptance can only be found from God. It's very simple. If I know I'm accepted by God and God created me and God loves me, really, I don't need to, I have nothing to prove to anybody. I have nothing to prove. Because I know that the one created me, created me in his image. And I know God speaks to me, so I'm accepted by him. So what do I have to prove? See, people that are trying to prove things are trying to uh, uh, fill a, a spiritual void in the natural. So when you, if you're going through a dry season, just keep walking. You know, I made the joke. Like Johnny Walker. Just keep walking. Walk it out. Walk it out. You've got to walk through wilderness. Don't stand still. Because the wilderness is taking you forward. The season takes you forward, right? So stay with it. How do you know you're in a battle? Well, the first thing that comes against you is questioning who you are and whose you are. Your identity. Whenever, whenever we see a, a battle in the scripture, the first thing it says, who are you? Who are you? Maybe it's a good question to ask yourself. Who are you? Don't tell me your name. Don't tell me where you're from. Don't tell me what culture you are. That is not who you are. It's what you do. Who you are has to be founded on what God says to you. And the first thing the battle is going to come against is your identity. Who are you? That's the first thing that the enemy asks Jesus. If you are the Son of God, what is he attacking? The identity. Who are you and whose are you? Who are you identity and whose are you? Under what authority are you coming? That's what, what God said to Moses. Moses says, but what, what will I say? The first thing that the Pharaoh says to him, who sent you? 
Whose authority are you coming? It's a battle. So the moment you're starting to question, firstly, who are you? Question, condemnation, accusation, you're no longer a son. Look at what you did. Look how you messed up. Guilt. Guilt. Condemnation. The moment you start, now look, you can be remorseful and regret a decision. Oh, that was a bad one. Man, that sucks. You know, like, uh, yeah, no, I dropped the ball there. I messed up there. That wasn't it. That is regret. And that is learning from, that is not guilt. Guilt with it. If you feel guilt comes, it's the, it's the emotion of regret, but with the fear of punishment. When you, if someone pronounces you guilty in a court of law, guess what? You get sentenced to punishment. So the moment guilt comes on you, the moment uh, uh, the, this condemnation of, man, I messed up there. And yeah, actually, if, 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 if anything happens, I deserve it. Condemnation. That is not from God. That is from the devil. Okay, now we start getting to the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How? By accusing you, condemning you. He has no power to kill you. The power that the enemy has is to condemn you. To forget who you are and whose you are. Because if you forget who the enemy, who, who you are, that you're the son of God, and you forget that you have the authority of God, guess what? Stealing and killing and destroying you, you'll do it by yourself. You'll do it. Why? Because of what you're going to sow and the structure that you're going to have in your life is not going to be one of uh, righteousness, peace, and joy. It's going to be of somebody, something else. That's why, the enemy, the, that's why the word says, do not give the enemy a foothold. Don't give him an inch. Because your battles in your life are not these cataclysmic events. They're not. I'm coming to, to my portion this morning. When an enemy goes out to attack a foreign, take up a territory, they don't take their whole army, all of the jets, all of the tanks, and everything they have, and go all at once. Whoa. Right? And they don't phone the other place and say, hey, by the way, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, we're going to come, and we're going to invade the territory, and we're going to try to take everything over. Okay? Okay. What do they do? They find strategic places in the territory. Things that are of value. Factories. Transport access. Uh, roads. Uh, communications, right? So, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm originally from Serbia. I came in when I was very uh, young, 93. Um, in the late 90s, 99, uh, there was whatever conflict. So NATO decided to bomb the country, right? So what did they do? The places that they bombed was bridges, okay? Because it's, 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 there's a lot of uh, bridges in there. Bridges. And the other thing they did, which is very interesting, they, 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 they took out the national broadcaster. Why? Because if you take out bridges, you can't go anywhere. You take out the national broadcaster, you can't broadcast anything to anybody. So nobody, you're blind. Okay. So what does that have to do with your own spiritual walk and battle? Well, here's the thing. What I'm trying to get at is that your spiritual battles are not these big events. They are subtle 
very targeted attacks on very specific and strategic areas of your life. Communication is one. So if the enemy can get you very busy, with, too busy to communicate with God and the Word, guess what? You have nothing, you have no way of communicating with God. He doesn't know what, it, what, what you don't know what he wants you to do. Okay? If you find that you are, so, 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 so battles are very uh, abrupt, I've found, then they don't drag out. So if you find that you're getting anxious, you're getting, uh, uh, feeling, uh, feeling guilty, you are um, feeling condemned, uh, maybe uh, you had, uh, maybe, uh, you know, frustration, temper, anger is an issue that you've maybe dealt with and now you're dealing again, again with. Guess what? That, that, is, that, is, that is an attack. That's a battle. But I found that battles are easier to deal with than what are seasons. Because seasons are determined by revelation. How long you, you take to get what God is trying to get through to you? is going to determine how long the season is. A battle is fairly simple. If you can understand, you can recognize I'm being, my, my sonship is being attacked and my authority, then firstly, hey, hold on, I'm a son. doesn't change it. You just remind yourself. And secondly, I have authority. So I have the authority of what I think about. Man, I'm thinking about this stupid stuff. Your actions are a result of what you think about. So if you don't like the action, change what you're thinking about. You have the ability to have authority over what you, what you think. You don't have to think about everything. You don't have to think about everything that you want to. You cannot have your, your, your mind in the gutter and, ex, and expect to live in the palace. Get your mind out of there. Bible says, place your... Place your uh, thoughts on those things that are above and not be below, those things that are eternal and not temporal. Place your mind upon what you are in the Word of God, that you're a son, firstly. And then you are, have uh, uh, rights and, and so, so all of those things in the Word of God. If you find yourself getting anxious, that's a, that's a, that's a clear sign that there's a battle. There's a battle because what? It's anxiety. And it's an attack about what you're thinking on. Let me ask you, you don't have to answer. How often do you get anxious during the day? You probably find that it's more than what you should. I found that the moment now, recently, the moment that I, I became a father, fine, I'm, I am worried a little bit too much. Don't do that. Get off there. Check that. Cut the grapes in half because you can choke. Mm, you know, obviously, you know, be wise. Don't just let your kids do whatever you want. But I mean, I and I, I used to get so frustrated with my own parents. Just leave me alone, man. I'm fine. Don't stop worrying. You know, that is something that you need to control because if you if you allow yourself to be too anxious, what you're going to be is you're going to be overprotective. You're going to be a helicopter parent hovering around. And what you're going to do is create anxiety in your kids and not create and you're going to create this thing of um, almost not trusting them to do what they can do. You know, create an insecurity. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Okay. So, so be careful of, of how you 
how you are perceiving things because you find that that anxiety is actually not about you. It's about who are you leading? Your kids, right? Anyway, so, uh, uh, so, so God, so the first thing that we do that happens, it, it questions identity and God in our lives. So if we will continue, uh, if we are going to allow God to, con- or the enemy to, to continue to con- uh, condemn us and excuse and, and, and um, accuse us, we will surrender to that. And we will be overcome by that, right? So let's go to James, James 3.16. See, if we don't take authority over that, what's going to happen is going to cause division. Division. You must be very careful of division. Here, James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, for where envying and strife is, next one, there, confu- there is confusion in every evil work. Okay, now we come to the, to, the, to the enemy. Where there is strife, this word strife is very important. Strife. What is strife? Let me give you a dictionary uh, uh, translation. It says anger or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues of conflict. That is the dictionary translation. Okay. Strife is bitter disagreement or over fundamental issues or conflict. Where there's conflict and bitter disagreement, there it says every evil work is. Yeah, so, so the enemy does play around in the, in the playground of division. How does that work with your life personally? When you are divided with God and His principles, the enemy is allowed to do that. Why? Because you're flowing outside of the principles and patterns of the Word of God. And the structure of God. And it's not that God punishes you. Here's the thing. This is where we need to change our perspective. You not doing the word of God does not punish you. We think that we have to do what God said. Because either he'll punish us or he'll bless us. Right? I want to tell you that the word of God. Whether you do the word of God or not do the word of God. God does not punish you if you're in Christ. Because the word says... Now, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Paul said, you have so much freedom in Christ, you can do whatever you want and there will be no punishment. But then he goes on to say, but not everything is good for you. The fact that you can do it doesn't mean you should. So the Word of God produces a certain kind of fruit. And not doing the Word of God doesn't produce that kind of fruit. So when we, when we say, look, either do the Word of God and be in, in blessing, or don't do the Word of God, it's not that God says, ah, you, you see, you didn't do it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish you. That's not what He says. He says, here's the thing, you didn't do what produces fruit. So when you, it's either the thing that produces fruit, good, righteousness, peace, and joy, or the other thing that doesn't produce fruit, no righteousness, peace, and joy. Did God ever get involved in punishment there? No. He just said, there's certain things that produce good stuff in your life. And the other stuff doesn't. So when you are divided between what God said and what, what you should do, guess what? What's evil work? The other stuff. So you do, when, we, when there's strife, when there's division, we're allowing the enemy a foothold. We're allowing the enemy to come and do funny stuff in our lives. 
The Greek translation of the word strife means this. A desire to put oneself forward. A partisan and fractious spirit. A partisan and a fractious spirit. What does the word partisan mean? So you, if, you, if you follow any kind of uh, U.S. politics, you know anything about it, you know that they've got two, two, two major parties, right? The, the Democrats and Republicans, right? And they often talk about this partisanship. Or they talk about a par bipartisan agreement. What does that mean? The two sides got together and came to an agreement. And you find a lot of that in their, in their, in their politics is they base their decisions based on their position and not the benefit of the proposal. What does that mean? Is that if I am a Democrat and you as a Republican have something that I want and you want me to pass a bill that's good, that will, give, uh, that will uh, uplift community or bring good things to the country, I will not sign that law into effect until I get what I want. So it is the spirit of putting oneself first. It's based on my position, maintaining my position and not necessarily what is the, what is the end result of that position, right? So what is strife? Strife is saying it's my way or the highway. Strife is saying I'm too concerned about my own position to see that I could be wrong. Because the benefit or the end result is better than what I'm here. But I'm so concerned about my own position that I, will never, that I won't admit that. You find the people that have this kind of demeanor or this kind of thing in their lives never want to apologize. Why? Because I don't want to admit I'm wrong. Because it's everybody else and it's not me. Division. And this is, this is the, 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 the simplest way the enemy works in your life is to cause division. Division firstly between you and God. And secondly, division between the people around you that God has placed in your life or placed in your care. So he wants to cause division in your marriage. He wants to cause division in your family with your kids. He wants to cause division in your church. Why? Because where there's division, there's every evil work. And where there's division, the Bible says, where there's your, no unity, the anointing can't flow, which is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. So you find that you might be dealing with some stuff in your family. But because there's division, there's no anointing that can flow. With your kids, there's no, there's no agreement. Now, I'm not saying you must be yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. If you're a husband or wife or whatever. What I'm saying is that you must be careful that you, that you do not have division in your, in your family specifically. Because where you have division, you're allowing the enemy to come and do whatever he wants to do. And your battles, watch. The easiest way to find that you're in a battle is when you're in a, the Bible says, uh, uh, a bitter disagreement. Conflict. You can't see eye to eye. I'm very big on unity, like, like very big, especially in the church. Because I've seen churches break down because of this, because of strife. And what's supposed to be being, being a, meant to be a blessing in people's life ends up being, lack of a better word, a curse because, because there's no unity. There's no, there's no oneness. Now, we don't have to agree based on whether we like each other or not. 
I've often spoken about, you go to work. You don't like everybody in work, but you work together. You're in agreement. I don't know, I don't like you, but hey, we got a job to do. And you find that in the church as well. Listen, you don't have to like everybody. You don't have to. Not everyone that comes to church you must be best friends with. But you must be united with the greater goal, which is what? To see kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, see heaven down to earth, see people walk in the fullness of life, see people's lives being trans- tra- transformed. That is the main goal. And if we can keep our eyes on that, then that is, that is the key to overcoming really any division. If you can see that we are better together than we are apart, you can overcome any disagreement. Any disagreement. And it works very simple. I didn't like the way you spoke to me like that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. Okay, okay, let's move on. But we don't do that. We take it personally. And you find people that that have, have not dealt with this thing early on in their lives. I've, I always find that God will, God will put you in situations where you seem to be coming up with the same issue over and over and over again. Why? Because it's an issue. Because it's not everybody else, it's you. If you are experiencing the same thing with the people at work, with your friends, with your family, then guess what? Who's the common denominator? It's you and me, right? It's you. It's not everybody else. Simple maths. So if you're constantly feeling like, like you're overlooked, for instance, or not supported, it's probably because there was an issue early on, somewhere along the line, that there was a division that was caused, there was a seed that was allowed to sow and it was not dealt with. And now that thing is hard on your heart. And now you go to work and they, they, they ignore you, for instance. Or you think they are. You go home, no one's listening to you. They're ignoring you. You go to your friends, no one's asking me to go out with them anymore. They're all ignoring me. Wait, hold on. Is it, is it, is it everybody else or is it, or is it you? If you? And this is the thing. This is what I found about God. Because the season, right? See, a season unchecked will turn into a cycle. So God might put you in a season where it's like, ah, this, I need to get this thing sorted. This person needs to sort this thing out. Got to check their heart, deal with the issue. So why? So you can progress because you can't take the same mentality of your previous place into the new place. I, I, I've seen it constantly. And, and sometimes I think to myself, oh, guys, if you can just hear what I'm saying. You can just hear what I'm saying. And six, eight months go down the line. It's the same issue. And I'm like, but uh, we, we spoke about this already think uh, I'm not going to change what I said because this is the thing. This is what you need to deal with. And you find that, that, per, you, that if, I, if I haven't dealt with a specific thing in my life, you'll find that I will take it personally every single time. If I felt overlooked, always in the background, right, growing up, then guess what? I'm going I'm to, and I haven't dealt with that. I haven't checked my identity as an adult, I'm going to find that I'm going to take those things very personally. And every time it seems like someone is, is ignoring me or, or not giving me attention, I'm going to take it personally. Instead of, God, instead of just being like, no, that's an issue that you need to sort out in your life. It's not everybody else. 
So uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 6, I'm not going to read that. I read it last, uh, last week. And Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, sword piercing, even to the dividing um, asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is quick. How do you overcome a battle? Speak the word because it's quick. And it's a discerner of hearts and thoughts. Right? So the moment that you recognize this is not me, this is not correct, this is something else, you speak the word and it is quick. That's why I'm saying battles are, are easier to deal with in seasons because it's a quick thing. You take authority over the thing. I'm going to finish with Ephesians 16 to 14. Armor of God. We forget this thing. I think we forget it because we've heard it so many times. But the fact that you've uh, heard it so many times doesn't change its effectiveness. It's important. And I think some of us have forgotten our armor at home. It's collecting dust in the garage. Because you got a bit comfortable. We got comfortable and we forgot that, hey, yes, you are in a battle. And sometimes your battles are constant. You're constantly in a battle. There's a constant battle between God doing what, what you and staying in the in the in the image of God and, and what God called you to do and being swept away by everything else. And I think a lot of us are going into battle for getting our, our armor and getting shots fired at us and wondering why 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 are we limping? Armor of God says, um, therefore, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand against the vows of the devil. You're in a fight. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness, of ignorance of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having all done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the brace, breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perse uh, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You are in a spiritual battle against the rulership of the darkness and you have, you have armor. God has given you the ability to fend it off. So you must have the belt of truth, which what? Keeps you firm. It will not embarrass you. If you don't have a belt, your pants come off. And shows your nakedness. What, what is that? It shows your faults and failures. That's really what it's about, right? When you have the Word of God, the Bible says the, 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 the belt of truth. The truth, what is that? The Word of God. Firm yourself. Fasten yourself with the truth. Got to know the Word. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate do? What does it protect? It protects the heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. What is righteousness? Righteousness is not doing necessarily doing the right thing. It is being, the, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, knowing that you are accepted, you're in right standing with God. That protects your heart. 
Because if you don't know that you're in right standing with God, with God you, will, you will see, you will, uh, you, will, you will succumb to any condemnation, any attack, any guilt. Guard your heart with a breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be prepared. The gospel, the good news. When it says you shod yourself, what does it mean? You dig your heels in. You stand ready. You're uncomfortable. You're not modeling. You're in a battle. You must prepare yourself. Shod your feet, what? With the good news. Again, we're talking about what the good news is really what Jesus said. What he said about you and me. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What is faith? Faith is the muscle that you use in the, in the spiritual to move things around. And what is it? It's a shield. So when accusations come from the enemy, when darts come, what do you do? You use your faith. How do you use your faith? It's very simple. Speak the word. When, someone come, when the enemy comes to condemn you and make you feel guilty, about all how you messed up. You can either be like, yeah, you're right there. Man, I messed up there. And you can leave it there. What's going to come? Spirit of condemnation, guilt is going to come there. And you're going to question your own sonship and your own image of, of what God has is and has for you. Speak the word. Very simple. I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can... Understand that concept. Speak that over yourself. What are you doing? You're, you're quenching the fire darts of the enemy. I told you the enemy comes against you with accusations. And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It talks about, in essence, the word of God three or four times in this. You've got to know the word. You've got to speak the word. You've got to be well versed in the word. You've got to hear the word because faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. It's not enough on a Sunday morning. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Sometimes, this is what I'm saying. We, a lot of us forget our, our, our armor in the garage. We, we pray, the most some people praise when they pray before a meal. Say grace. It's such a big thing. And if you don't do it, it's like hectic, man. But it's religion. A form of godliness that denies its power. You must say grace. You say respect. When's the last time you prayed in the Spirit? What's that? Come now. We, 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 we forget our armor in the garage. And we get so caught up in things that have no effect. And we think we're, you know, God, 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 God's happy with us because we said grace. You know, and we wore, we wore a skirt, not pants, to church. Or shorts. Don't they come here with a t-shirt? I mean, you know, we, we get sort of caught up on those little things, but we forget what's actually important. We talk about praying in the spirit. And we saw, you know, th this morning after service, we're going to baptize uh, some people and that's great why because they're preparing themselves they are gathering the weapons that they need to be able to 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 function well and to produce good fruit i'm going to get baptized this morning get baptized in, in water and and the spirit 
being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I told you I'm going to give you a scripture, one line. You can put it up at James uh, 4, 7. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. Next one. And he will flee from you. We, it, it's two instructions. Submit to God, resist the devil. Some people pray for 10 hours. And every day the devil is after them. No, it just Submit to God. What does that mean? Submit to God. Do what he said. Resist. Don't do what the devil wants you to do. And he says here, and he will flee. You won't have to punch him. You won't have to cut him. You won't have to shoot things at him. It says he will run away. He will leave you alone. There is, the, yes, I understand. There is the, the, the thing of when you start doing, taking up territory for God and start doing things and following God, of course there's a bit of a battle. Of course it is. But if you have the armor of God and you've got that one line, one line, one verse, there's no training needed. We don't need to bring you in here and talk about spiritual warfare. It's very simple. Submit to God and resist the devil. We don't need to have an all-night prayer meeting. Unless God instructs us to do that, yes. But we don't need to do that for, you know, just because everybody else is doing it. You think you're fighting the devil. Okay, well, let's start. Did you submit to God? Yes. Did you resist him? Yes. Well, then he's gone. He's too busy somewhere else. It's amazing how the, 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 the devil who is not omnipresent, which means can be at everywhere at the same time, can be messing around with so many people at the same time. We just need to know the word a little bit better and to apply our minds a little bit better. The only omnipresent, omnipresent, God is omnipresent, means he's everywhere at the same time. And omniscient, he knows everything at the same time. He's the only one that does that. So how can the devil, who by the way, only has a third of, of the, the armies of God, you're still in the majority even if you just take it by numbers and not by power. Missing around, I think uh, we, we, are, we are giving excuses and giving the credit to the enemy for what we are were responsible for. At the end of the day, it really boils down to this, knowing who you are and whose you are. We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus.